Hey, I'm Lika Sumba, and this is our journey across Africa, navigating the intricate landscapes of business, culture, and global influence from the African perspective. Africa Whisperer, telling authentic African stories in a global way. I really thought hard about what the theme would be for the first season of the Africa Whisperer. This is mainly because I'm a storyteller at heart, so themes and chapters mean something to me. But if I'm honest, it's probably because I wanted to make the selection process for guests easier. I don't think that worked because, as we know, Africa is bustling with brilliant minds, passionate hearts, and we have people across sectors and across the globe that are reshaping not only the way that the world views Africa, but how we see ourselves as Africans and reiterating the fact that we no longer have to fight for a seat at the table. Because simply put, if Africa is excluded from any table, does this table even matter? I'll let you think about that one. Anyway, I managed to nail the theme down to chess masters. For me, when I think of a chess master, I think of a visionary. You have to have the ability to visualize the end before you start. I think patience. There is no quick fix in a game of chess, and there are always variables that are outside of your control. I think of small wins and intentional movements. You can't get the king in the first move, and you have to know that even taking out a pawn is a step in the right direction. Then, of course, I think strategy. As a chess master, you have to use all the pieces at your disposal. My first guest is Lady Denta Amwateng. Yes, she's the president of Guba Enterprises. Yes, she's just returned from a monumental trip in Memphis, USA, where Ghanaian culture was on full display and the guest of honor was Otomfo Osei Tutu II, king of the Asante Kingdom. Yes, she's the international PR for Asante Kotoko, which is a Ghanaian football club, and she just signed a monumental deal with Southampton that will see key exchanges between the Ghanaian club and the FA Premier League, specifically where development is concerned with young children. Yes, she has an MBE from the Queen of England. And yes, she's a pediatric nurse that served during COVID and launched an exchange program between nurses in the United Kingdom and Ghana. And again, yes, she is at the forefront of helping diasporans move back to Ghana through the Diaspora Network, and she's one of the people who was at the forefront of the globally successful Year of Return campaign and now Beyond the Return. And yes, she's a talk show host, a gospel singer. I mean, I could literally go on and on. But from my conversation from her, what I learned was how passionate she truly is about Africa and about Ghana and about everything that she does and how open she is to serve. Because truly, it's in service that we're at our best. Take a listen to this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you, first of all. I, I don't know if I should call, should I call you Lady Denta? I think I should. Oh, whichever, Denta, whatever sis, is no problem at all. Such a pleasure to really be able to have a conversation with you. I feel, um, you know, one of the things that we, as as Africans, that we don't realize is that a conversation can really change the direction and the trajectory of where we're going, and it can enlighten the continent in so many ways. So, yeah, it's really just awesome to be able to have this conversation with you. So, welcome to the Africa Whisperer. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I want to just um, take everything back to the beginning, you know, because obviously, um, I say you and your husband because I know that you guys are really a partnership and I love everything about that but your story actually starts in the village you are you as you say you're proudly a village girl so talk to us what it was like from Juasi to Accra to the UK just those stages in your life and what the key differences were yeah so I was I was born in Jaso Asante Achim um next to it's next to Konongo I left uh, for the UK at the age of five. My parents got the opportunity to go to the UK and I think they left when I was around maybe one or two. Mm. Um, and so when I hit five, um, they, they called um, for me to come. But I remember at that age, um, especially when I got to the UK, 
and it was winter and you know I had short hair you know it was um it was a strange feeling being in the UK at that at that time I always say that I remember going to starting school and having to eat you know burger uh, which I didn't understand what type of food this was because I'm used to having you know my local dishes and so I ended up eating the bread because I, I didn't understand that meat round thing. So was a, there, there was a cultural shock, um, obviously the weather and everything. Um, but, you know, at that age, you quickly adapt, right? You, you quickly adapt. Um, and I remember also being like, you know, one of the only kind of black people in the class. Um, and I, I, you know, almost looking like a boy because, you, you know, in Ghana, they cut your hair. Um, yeah. So waiting for that to kind of grow so you can, you know, you can be part of the community. But yeah, that's my kind of memories at that age. And now just to, to, to tap in deeper, um, when, you, when you mentioned things like um, being you know, one of the only black people in the class and having short hair, because I think that's a story. And even in Uganda, they cut your hair. <laughs> you don't have your hair up. It's, you yeah. know, it's kind of like, you, you know, you yep. really, they just focus so much on education. So that whole transition, mm-hmm. just even as a, as a as a young as a young girl, emotionally, how were you kind of navigating that situation? Did you find yourself easily accepted, or you know, and, and that kind of thing? No, I wasn't easily accepted. I remember um, um, getting bullied, and I also started my period at a very young age, um, at the age of um, nine, and and so. Mm. Um, school was, was, was very difficult because I was a very sporty person as well. And so you'll find yourself leaking, you know, and, you know, people will be laughing at you. Um, and so it was, it, it, it was difficult, you know, um, and then the language barrier, I didn't speak English at that time. Um, wow. when I, when I came to the, to the UK, so it was a very difficult period. Uh, but my parents were very, uh, encouraging, you know, mm. always encouraged me and always kind of, especially my mom, just, you know, really supported and said, you know, everything will be okay. It will all change, you know, once you start speaking the language. And so at home, I, I got extra classes and stuff like that to kind of help me. But yeah, um, it was, it was a very difficult, and I was, I'm dark skin. So it's like, yeah. you know, uh, in the class just being, you know, the darkest person kind of in the room, but I quickly got over that. You know, I quickly got over that and I, I, I then it, the tables kind of turned and I was a favorite person in the room. You have a daughter um, who's also doing awesome things with her wash care range and the hair range and so forth. How are you ensuring that she loves herself and she knows who she is and her identity? Because I feel as though this affects women more than it does um, boys, because I know you've got um, three sons. But with your daughter specifically, how are you ensuring that she knows who she is, that she loves herself? Yeah, I am. I, I make sure that I, that's why she's called Princess Aria. Um, she, she knows that she's a princess. She knows that she, um, she's unique. Um, mm. and she is, you know, um, going to be a very, very influential and, you know, uh, a businesswoman. She's already said that she's taken over Goobar and, you know, she, she, I, 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 what I, what I did um, with them growing up is I made sure that each and every one of them, all the four kids, have been with me to meetings um, so that they can experience what I go through. They've met presidents with me. They've met all of that so that they know that this is what you can be. This is how the level that you can go. Um, and especially my daughter, just, you know, making sure that she, she knows that her skin is the most beautiful thing because what was happening is that each time that I was posting on my social media, people were asking, Oh, what, what cream is she using? You know, and even myself. And it was like, just, we've always used shea butter. And so, you know, that's when we, we started the brand for her um, and the hair brand as well. So, you know, she, she definitely knows what she has. And I think it's important that we, we teach our kids to love themselves at a very young age. Definitely. And just to, to track back a little bit, when you were in the UK, and even because, if I'm not mistaken, your children have spent a little bit of time in the UK, how did your parents firstly ensure that you remain connected with the continent? Because sometimes you can have a situation where somebody can be outside of their home country for so long that they kind of suddenly be, become disconnected. But that has clearly never happened with you and with your children when they spend time in the UK how do you ensure that they remain connected with the continent and with their roots and with their identity what 
my parents did for me was that they made sure that we spoke uh, our language at home and also made sure that I loved African print. My mom was very particular about those things. And I think that's what I've done with my kids, you know, make sure that they, they, one, they eat the Ghana food. They know about the Ghana food. Number two, we speak the language at home. And number three, um, they love their traditional prints, which I make sure that all of them um, wear that. And so I think it's really, really important for me to make sure that they love and they know about their country. Uh, growing up, I remember my firstborn coming to say that what they heard about Africa was, you know, the muddy, the muddy waters, the kids with flies all over their face and their first trip to Ghana, you know, they saw the other side. I said, it's not all this side. I said, even in the UK, there's a bad side. There's a bad side to every country, but it's just that, you know, this is what has been promoted out there. And they were shocked when they came to, to Ghana for the first time, they could not believe it. And so these are the opportunities I think that we need to be given to our children. So they see the other side. We know that there is that side, but let's also promote the good side. And so I think that's what we, we, we make sure that we, we instill in our children. Media is so powerful uh, when it comes to representing what it is that Africa is about. I always feel as though the biggest obstacle that we have had in Africa more than anything else has been the stories that media has told. And sometimes even ourselves as Africans, you know, we, we don't we're not proud enough and we don't celebrate ourselves enough. In general, we don't really go out there and say this is who we are. This is what we're about and celebrate our culture. But I feel as though with the Guba Awards, that is one of the things that you're doing. So let's talk about the initiation of the Guba Awards and how that all started and where it's going. Yeah, no. So Guba, Grow, Unite, Build Africa started 13 years ago, um, where in the UK, where myself and my husband were um, sitting down watching TV. And we were seeing amazing, you know, African people on our screens and was like, there's nothing really to celebrate our own here in the UK. Mm. Um, and at the time there was also this knife crime that was going on between young black people. And I wanted to show that, look, we have great role models out there. How do we celebrate and how do we put them on the platform so that the young people can also connect with them? They have the opportunity to come to the awards and meet these type of people that they're not that far away. And so that's how it all started. It, it was very, very important for us to, to make sure that we have something that celebrates our own. If you look at the UK, there's so many prominent awards. You hardly see like black, a black person getting an award. And so why don't we have our own? And so that's how Goober started. You know, it just started off as a, as a dream and the, the way it kind of blew up and the type of people that were wanting to come and you know, have come. It's just been, it's been amazing. Absolutely amazing. Truly is a blessing, you know, and, and I like the, tr the transitions that you've made because initially, if I'm not mistaken, it was the Ghana UK based achievement awards. And now, as you mentioned, it's grow, build, unite Africa. Why was it important for you to, to make this transition with the name? And how did this redirect the vision of Guba Enterprise as a whole? Yeah. So, you know, when we started, it was, it was Ghana focused. And um, what we found was that there was loads of other Africans that were coming and we were awarding African people as well at the, at the event. So it was important for us to be inclusive and make sure that we included our African brothers and sisters because the conversation is bigger than Ghana. Mm. Um, and so that's when in 2019, on our um, 10th anniversary, we decided that, you know, it's time to really change our name um, because we are we are growing because Guba has Guba Enterprise has different arms. So we have the um, the Guba X Guba Trade Expo, which was about um, promoting made in Africa products into the UK market. We'll invite ASOS, Tesco's, they'll all come and look at the products to see whether they can source it into the market. And then we have the Guba Careers, which was looking at, you know, um, recruitment for the diasporans in the UK to move back to Ghana. And then we had our foundation, which looks at, you know, supporting children living with autism, infant mortality and education. 
And so when we looked at what we were doing, we were growing, we were building and we were promoting Africa. And so then, you know, the, the, the bulb lit up and was like, look, guys, we need to, this is the time for us to change our name. And I think it was the best thing that we've, we've, we've been able to do. I love the way that you just lightly dance over the 10th anniversary in 2019. We decided to to change it. But there was a, it's a much bigger story than that because you actually held it during the UN General Assembly. And some of the people that you were honoring were fantastic. And you held it in the States, if I'm not mistaken. So talk to us about just putting that together because even though you had lived in the UK for a while, America is a whole different ball game. The US was a different, <laughs> was different. Like when I first told my team, guys, let's, let's do Goober in the US. They were like, what? But we, we like, we don't, none of us live there. And so we, we had to, we had to get a team of uh, volunteers and people that would help us navigate in the US um, but it was it was a big risk because the UN General Assembly has so many side events and it's one of the most expensive times to do an awards in the US. We had no clue. We were just like UN Assembly is when we want to do it because there's a lot of people in town and we wanted to be able to get that crowd. It was an experience, but it was one of our best awards that we've ever done. I mean, we had Danny Glover, Cheryl Lee Ralph, Martin Luther King's sister-in-law. We had our president. We also had um, the president of ECOWAS. Like it was just the UN um, executive um, um, director. It was just incredible the type of people that we were able to get. Um, and so it's been an amazing journey. That was one of our biggest highlights. And from my understanding, I believe that the awards took place on a Thursday. You flew in on a Wednesday. This says so many things. Number one, it speaks about the incredible team that you must have, um, you know, to have been able to trust them with that. And then number two, it begs the question, why? Because most people would have been in the country for like two weeks before. Yeah, <laughs> Oh gosh, that was, uh, <laughs> I have, I have the best team in the world. I always say, um, and the team have been with me from the beginning. You know, when I set up, when we set up Gooba, we we're like, okay, so who we're going to put on the team. And so I called, you know, a friend that was, it was an admin person, someone that was into marketing, someone that was, you know, um, all the events. Um, so just put the, the team together um, and they have been with me. They have been my my backbone, um, if I should put it that way. And so I the, the reason why I left on a Wednesday to reach the awards on a Thursday was chasing sponsors. We didn't do a lot of research into the U.S. We just knew that the U.N. General Assembly is a time that we want to do it, but we didn't realize the expense that goes with it everything is like triple or quadruple the the mm. the amount you know to rent in a, a hotel and obviously we picked the best hotel <laughs> to do it at <laughs> so it was you know we we wanted to make sure that when we do things and it's very important to me when we do things as africans that we do it at a high level because and that's where these people get us is that sometimes we like to cut corners and you know, but it's, it's, it shouldn't be done that way. If It's either we do it or we don't. Um, yeah. So that we're getting that respect each and every time. The Africa Whisperer, Lee Kasumba, telling authentic African stories in a global way. Um, and so that's why I left on that day, but my team were holding everything up. We knew that the awards would definitely happen. You know, we're a very prayful team, but it was just, yeah, just last minute, last minute. Our people are last minute as well. So that doesn't help. But yeah, we, we managed to pull it off. During the UN General Assembly, as you mentioned, there were so many side events that were happening. I'm sure security must have been crazy as well. Just a lot uh -huh. of different things. And then you have all of these um, international leaders and, and, and all who are at this um, gathering. You know, we're sitting in a time where everybody's talking about how, you know, about Africa's impact, um, you know, how important Africa is going to be. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think in 2050, 
um, one in every fifth person in the world is going to be African, like something, the number something like that. I'll have to, you know, fact check myself. Um, when you had the Guba Awards during the UN General Assembly, right, and you had people from around the world attending, did you pick anything up from the excitement or what people were really thinking about Africa so that it went beyond the hype, to use the term? Um, do, you, do you really feel that globally leaders and, and investors are, are, are actually looking at Africa and saying, look, this is where we actually seriously have to start partnering with Africa versus sending money and just developing Africa? What were what were some of the things that you picked up from conversations and that kind of thing? So um, by the year 2040, Africa will have the larger workforce than China and India. By 2050, half of the world's population will live in Africa. Um, wow. And so there, there is a big opportunity for for mm-hmm. Africa. And I think that you know, the story, the narrative is changing. If Even if you look at what Burner Boy did, you know, in New York, if you look at what, you know, um, some of the African brothers and sisters are doing on Netflix, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. the time is coming where Africa is, is, is where everybody want to be. You know, we've got another organisation that's part of the diaspora, um, the Guba Enterprise called the Diaspora Transition Network. We've had over 700 people that want to move to Ghana. We have transitioned over 150 people already who have come and moved to Ghana. And so there, there is an excitement about, about Africa and about the opportunities in Africa. Look, if you look at Africa, you have Chinese, you have Indians, you have Lebanese, you have all Italians. You know, all of these people here and they are seriously making money. And so for me, I'm always one who is encouraging the diaspora to come back because you are you. This is your home. okay? so how do you also, you know, make money and help your economy and help your people? And so I think that it's the time is now because I remember a few years ago, coming to Ghana and, and how Ghana is now, is developed. You know, you come back and your uncles are sitting in big cars and, you know, there's, they're living really, really well. And then you're in the UK and your house is not that big <laughs> in the UK. <laughs> you know what I mean? And people are having a, a, a very lovely life, okay? Yeah. Um, and so how do we use our skills, our knowledge, back into um, Africa, to develop. And I think that's really, really crucial. It's something that we are very, very passionate about. And that's what GUBA stands for. You know, the fact that we're doing awards, we are basically showing you that this is what people are doing in the diaspora and also in Africa. We showcase that so that, you know, people have the opportunity to partner up. And I keep saying that, look, the diaspora, not everybody's going to move back because... yeah of they're used to a particular system, right? They're used to particular pay, they're used to particular whatever, the ease of working and stuff like that. Um, but we can all invest when we can all mentor somebody. Um, and I think that that's what um, the opportunity brings when it comes to looking at Africa. What you were saying reminds me of a, a beautiful quote that you said in an interview. Um, so I'll, I'll read it out. You said, look, Africa is still developing. UK, US cannot develop anymore. There's nothing new you can do there, but there's everything you can do in Africa on the continent, um, which is so powerful. It really is about, you know, in essence, we want to be able to build our own generational wealth, build our own stories, build our countries and and our continent um, as Africans, we should really be at the forefront of that of that drive. Absolutely, absolutely. Like New York can't do anything more. Like it's done, mm-hmm. you know. But we have a real opportunity. Ghana, there's there's an opportunity. Like every mm-hmm. everywhere you go, you see an opportunity. Everywhere you go, some people have, the interviews that I've done with diasporans that have transitioned. They're like, oh my god, I have so many ideas. Like. There's so many, you become an entrepreneur when you're in Africa, Mm. you know, you become an entrepreneur and that's why there's a high rate of entrepreneurship in Africa, especially in Ghana. And it's women at the top Mm. and at the forefront, you know? And so I think that there's a real opportunity for us as young people to really develop and have, and be part of that change, be part of that story. It's not easy. We wouldn't say it's easy, but I think there's little parts. If you look at someone like, um, Starbites, 
um, Eric Andor always use him as an example. He was living in the UK, yeah. got tired, come back. Starbites is huge. Starbites is not just in Accra, it's in Kumasi. He's now looking to take it in other parts of Africa. That's real stories. And that's a real impact and change that he's making. He's employing people. And so I think that there is that sense of, you know, we can come and we can make an impact and we can create jobs and employment for our people. What I love about what you're saying, because um, you had mentioned before about the, about people like Burner Boy and, and what, are, what Africans are doing on Netflix. I actually think Netflix's business is probably going to survive off the African, <laughs> off what's going on in Africa. Yes, of the African narrative. Absolutely. We are the ones, we're watching our own things. <laughs> Um, you know, and yeah. then entrepreneurship as well being really powerful. And that, that brings me to a thought that I have, and I wanted to know what your views are. I feel as though entrepreneurship and the creative industry are really almost redesigning and reimagining everything that Africa can be. And it's really opening up all these opportunities. So when you see talent um, from Africa performing internationally and doing well and showing our cultures globally um, and that kind of thing, I feel as though the creative industry is almost the soft power that Africa has to retell a story. So uh -huh. from your perspective, how do we, how, I, I know that you're not in government, but as you mentioned, you've spoken to different heads of state and and so forth. How do you feel, um, what do you think should happen in order to stitch the story between entrepreneurship, which is creating jobs um, and opportunity and dreams, and then the creative industry, which is um, giving the soft power, this new idea and showing and reflecting African culture in a more positive way globally? I think it's all boils down to investment um, and making sure that the government has put in place things to support the creative industry, right? Mm -hmm. Because they, it needs investment. Hollywood did not become Hollywood by overnight. There was a great uh, amount of investment that were put in that, you know, mm. and they were selling themselves. You know, when you look at movies in America, it, it was always about the Americans are the, the, the best. They, they you yeah. know, they, they sold images. And so it, cre it made you want to go to New York. It made you want to go to America. You know, it, they showed themselves as, as powerful beings. And so that's what we need to start doing. We need to start selling ourselves. We need to make sure that there's great investment that is put into the creative industry. You know, sometimes when our own people are doing movies, they're showing those negative things, right? Yeah. And they, they show us as the bad people in their movies, Right. Mm. And in our movies, we're showing the same thing. Right. And so we need to flip that around. We need to be making sure that we are selling ourselves to the maximum. Let's show yes. our high buildings. Let's show the positive because that's what they were always showing to us. And they've made a great investment with that. They have Spider-Man. We have um, Anansi. But we, we portrayed Anansi as, you know, a, a crooked person. But they've showed Spider-Man to be this an amazing person that, that saved lives, mm. you know? And I think, you know, what happened with Wakanda, the whole story, that's why everybody was like, whoa, like this is amazing because we had never had a big movie that portrayed Africans as, as powerful, yeah. you know? And, mm. and, and I think that that's what we need to be doing. Mm. You know, every now and then you get your children referring to that, to that, to that story, you know? And so I think that it's, it's about investment. It's about pushing positive stories out there of our mm. people. Mm. And, and, and it's really important. And when you look at, we have so many stories. We have a Yasantua so story many. of a powerful yeah. woman has not been mm. told. We haven't done anything about it. Yes. There's been little, little documentaries and stuff about it, but it needs to be, at a, a Hollywood standard, you know, it yeah. needs to be shown. Like people need to know that there's women out there who fought for their countries and stuff like that. You know, mm. every, uh, yeah. Every superhero is American. That's how they showed it. Every exactly. single superhero is, is American. And, and, that, and, yeah. it, and it's, you know, and we have superheroes here. Yeah. So I think it's about investment. It's about changing the narrative and being positive and, and, and making sure that we portray ourselves as, as the elite, which we are. We're kings and queens. And they never lose in, in a war battle. You know, they never, never lose never. in their films. 
Yeah, in their yeah. films, they never lose. You know, that's what they portray. Yeah, but sometimes we're okay to, and you know, you've said so many things. My mind is like lighting up, you know, everything from what you said about, yeah, Santos, I want you to actually go into that because for me, even as a Ugandan um, and, you know, coming from a family that was all about Pan-Africanism and everything, like when her story was something that I knew about, but I was surprised that many people didn't know her story. I'm like, what do you mean? How do yeah. you, as, you yeah. know, not They won't know, know their story. story because it's not promoted. We, we're not... Mm. We're not promoting, we're sitting on so many mm. powerful stories, mm. so many that we have to showcase. Yeah. Um, you know, Americans show themselves as powerful, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm. and look at our continent. There's so many, we have been through so much and we are and still, still there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. right now we, we, they would have written, they've written us off even you know but we are still there um and so i think that we need to really really change the way in which we tell our stories and and one powerful story that you did tell um uh with the guba awards the ones that, that took place in ghana um i believe that it was to celebrate or to commemorate the anniversary of the passing of yeah santua so for people who don't know her story yeah. and why it was so important to 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 tie that in with um with the guba awards that took place in ghana and then i also love the fact that even for the guba awards that took place in ghana although you were celebrating all these awesome women um, like Ngozi, Okonjo, Iweela and, and so forth, you still had such a strong emphasis on market women and how important that they are yeah. to the economy, how important they are to driving change and, and you know, how important that they are. I mean, I always think that if market women do not exist in Africa, across the board, we're shutting down. This thing is a wrap, you know? Absolutely. Look, if Makola shuts down right now, <laughs> everything is shut down. Is over. Makula is where our money is being held. <laughs> Do you understand? The market women are the ones, honestly, they work so, so hard. Like they get up, they, some of them have six children, seven children. They wake up in the morning, 3 a.m., get them ready for school. They come and get, go to the market to feed us. Like mm. these women have, have, go through, when it rains, they're there. When, when it's, you know, when it's blazing hot, they are there. You know, through everything, they are there with us. And so I, I felt that it was really, really important to celebrate those type of women. So Nana Yasantwa was a queen mother of Ejiso. And at the time, um, you know, of colonialism, the, the Brits were trying to take our golden store. And they had taken uh, um, King Prempet into exile. And so he wasn't around. And so she stood up and said, no. You can't come and, and take our golden stool. It, it belongs to us. And so she stood up even when the men did not stand up. She was a queen mother. She was a farmer. She was a wife. You know, she was a politician. She was everything. And so that's why we were able to celebrate women in different fields because she was everything. Um, and so for us, it was really important to celebrate that woman, to celebrate women who stand up and women who fight to be long where they are. Ngozi did not get there just by, she, she's breaking so many barriers in her journey. You know, the mm. first female to be finance minister, you know, she's just, she's yes. just done so mm. much before she got to the level that she is. And so I think that for us, I mean, with the Yasantua Awards, it's going to be um, something that we do every two years um, in Ghana. It's going to be hosted in Ghana that we celebrate women. We didn't also want her, her legacy to be forgotten what she did. Mm. You know, it's been a hundred years. You know, how are we, what are we doing for Nanaya Santua, um, for her name to remain? And so I think that these are the, some of the things, and I also spoke about the movie. There needs to be something that's done about the Nanaya Santua story so that everybody knows it. The children that are growing up knows it. And so for us, it was key to celebrate the woman. Gosh, I think that you 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 clearly are the person who the mantle belongs to to tell her story. Um, I don't think it's a far it's a far fetch for um, Guba Enterprise to go into 
movie production and tell stories about Africa. I think that will be fantastic. Mm-hmm. You are a gospel singer. Um, and so I love the fact that, you know, that faith is really the cornerstone of everything that you do, the stories that you tell about your husband, how you pray together, you fast through everything um, and, and all of that, how God is really at the center of everything. I think that's so powerful. Uh, you're obviously a TV presenter. But one of the things that you were, and I have to find a way of saying this so I don't get in trouble. So I have a, a cousin who's a nurse, right? Um, and so she she was, you know, she was based in Uganda and then mm-hmm. she came to SA for a bit to study. And she said she hated being a nurse. She said, all you really are doing is taking care of other people. That's all that you're doing. I just feel like I'm somebody's slave. You know, <laughs> she was complaining the whole time. Um, and oh, then wow. I thought that when I, yeah, when I heard you talk about, um, you know, being a pediatric nurse, I was like, wow. Like, honestly, most nurses and maybe it's also when I've been in South Africa and stuff like I've not heard very good stories. I was like, when I heard this, I thought, oh initially God, I thought, I oh, your parents forced you into it. Yeah, so t- talk to us about that. Because I thought that maybe it was like a case of your African parents saying, you must do this. And you're like, oh, I'll do it. It's okay. I'll do it. I'll do it. And then, you, you know, it's a wrap. But you yeah. actually continue in that. Yeah, no, what happened growing up? You know, our parents, they, they, it's always, they have their own ideas of what you should become. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my dad gave me some options. So he was like, you know, Doctor, lawyer, the same thing, nurse and and all of that. Because at the time I was into singing, I was dancing, I was into sports, I was running as well for, um, you know, England and stuff like that. So it was, it was, you know, he was like, you can't be doing that at all. Like, what is the next thing that you would, you could do out of this list? <laughs> and um, so I, I, he said, what about nursing? And I was like, actually, you know, I... I I wouldn't mind being a pediatric nurse because I loved kids. I just absolutely adored kids. Um, so I was like, okay, pediatric nurses wouldn't, wouldn't be bad. And so I entered it and I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, you know, for me, the most, uh, the most impactful part of being a nurse is when you see your child get better. You know, you see them come in one way and they leave another way. And when they go in, the, the, the gratitude that the parents give you and the child themselves, they'll write you a, um, um, a little card and they'll try and draw your picture. And that alone, that alone is like keeps you going, you know, being appreciated. Like they really, really appreciate um, the work that we do. And, and so for me, I, I loved it. I mean, I worked during covid you know, in 2020, when everything was, I was in the UK at the time I was stuck. And, you know, my hospital called and said, look, Denta, are you free? Can you come and help? And I, and I did, you know, I'm not afraid. I mean, I was, I was worried that God, this is COVID it's new, you know, you know, people are dying left, right and center, but you know, I, I wanted to help the other nurses. I wanted to make sure that I help the people, you know, the children that Mm -hmm. are coming in. I love nursing and I love helping people. Um, that alone just just lifts up your spirit. You know, even when you're going through so much, that little card or that, that thank you that the parents give you and the grant. You know, when you're looking after a child, you're not just looking after them. You're looking after their mom, their dad, their uncles, their grandmas. Everybody's coming in. So you're looking after all of those people. And when they, all of those people appreciate you, it's on a whole different level. I think in your fund, I, I'm not sure if it's with the Guba Enterprise Foundation, where you have an exchange program with nurses from the UK um, coming into Ghana. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's a very important conversation to have because somebody might listen and say, oh, it might be great to be a nurse in the UK. But, you know, if you're in, a, in, in, in some African countries, it's perhaps not all of, you know, it's not the same experience. So talk to us about that program, why it's important and how far you want to take it. Yeah, no, it was important for us um, to have, you know, um, the NHS nurses come to Ghana to experience how Ghanaians worked. And I think they learned a lot. And what they learned back was that in in the UK, we rely a lot on machines. But with Mm. Ghana, the nurses rely a lot on on knowledge, right? And it's like, there's not a lot of machines in, in Ghana for the nurses to use. And so they thought that, you know, these nurses in Ghana work harder than us in the UK. Yeah. Actually, we're very lazy. You know, they, they're not using calculators to quickly cap. They, they've got everything in their head. 
and so that was the, the, the type of differences, you know. Um, yes, documentation in the UK is fantastic that they made sure that their documentation is on point, whereas they didn't see a lot of that in, in Ghana. You know, and for us, it was like, okay, so how do we build on that? How do we help the Ghanaian nurses with care plans? You know, in the UK, we have to use, when a child comes in, we have to get a particular care plan for them and go by that care plan. But they, they don't have that. They're using, you know, knowledge base and experience to kind of work. And that's, and, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, the hospitals that they went was, was more of a, um, they went to government and they went to private ones. And so there are differences as well. I think it was really important for us to get those nurses, which we're doing again, um, hopefully by the end of this year, bringing some more nurses down to experience um, working in, in Ghana. And some of them are still communicating um, with the hospitals and helping out and, you know, and all of that. So it's really, really good for development. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that everything you do is balanced. There's, there's things that, that people can learn from Ghana and there's things that Ghana can learn from the UK and around the world. So I think that that's always, that's what we want. We want a balance, not just one person knows everything and the other person knows nothing, which has been the, the, the narrative that's been told about Africa for a long time. So I think it's really powerful with this program that there's like a total balance. Now there's another part of your life that I think is amazing. This whole football thing, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm one of those women who I watch football, depending on who's playing, who's popular, who's, you know, if my team starts losing, I'm like, I'm over it. I'm like, I don't care, you know, or it's like very social for me. But you, you played football and I think you're also the um, international relations manager for Kotoko. I hope I said it correctly. So let's talk yes, about like how yes. that actually happened. Like as a woman, that's fantastic. Yeah, no. So um, as I said in the beginning, I, I was a very sporty person. I loved football and, 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 and growing up, actually, my dad, I remember my dad loves football. So we used to watch football together um, and he was a, um, a Tottenham Hotspur fan. And so I, I became one. Um, and ever since, you know, I've, I've supported Tottenham. And I also managed a Samuel Jan um you know, at his peak, you know, when he was in Sunderland and when he went to um, Dubai as well. And so I've pretty much been in, in football um, for a while. And I've, I helped out with Emmanuel Frimpong to play for Ghana from Arsenal. So it was, you know, football has been a part of me. Um, and I, I was also the um, head of marketing for the World Cup in 2014 for Ghana as well. So Asante Kotoko is the biggest club in Ghana. Uh, we're on top of the league. Don't listen to what anybody tells you. We are on top of the league. We are the best football club in Ghana. <laughs> and, um, you know, um, being called up, um, you know, to serve for or, or tune for, which is his club, you know, his Royal Majesty's club um, is an honour. Um, you know, being Ashanti and, and all of that was, was an honour to serve. Um, so, yeah, I'm an international um, relations manager and diaspora manager for Asante Kotoko. So, you know, managed to get the partnership between Southampton football team um, with Asante Kotoko, which has been fantastic. You know, managed to get, you know, um, our kit sponsor from Italy to sponsor. So, you know, just really getting the brand out there as as a big brand also, you know, like the Premier League and how they, you know, how they manage everything um and so yeah i i love football so i've got two things so first of all you said your dad was a tottenham hotspurs um fan and here you are with southampton so i just i just want to know how this went down no i know <laughs> oh man unfortunately we couldn't get spurs man what they were what yeah that was, that's a whole different conversation for work i support southampton at home i support spurs <laughs> You know, for work, I had no choice. Like we, we, we actually, I went last last week. I was um, at St Mary, so I went to watch Southampton and Liverpool yeah. play at the stadium, and yeah. um, it was it was a quite an experience. It was an amazing experience, actually. Um, but just being, you know, shouting for another team was a very odd thing. But still, we still have to do it. You know, we're, 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 we have to support Southampton. Now, this this um, leads into the question about the importance of. Um, of, of sport and in this case football in Africa because it's it's 
I mean, every you can go anywhere in Africa, people are playing football, you know. One of the things we don't yeah. um, have, unfortunately, is great development or consistency. I think that that's what lacks. Because when you look at international leagues, you see so many African players doing so well. I mean, I'll never forget the World Cup where the, the France team is there and I'm like... I'm very sure that their blood is from this Africa and they know their village, you know, the people who are in the team. Of course. But, but, but there's the other question where talent is one thing, but development is another thing. So in your role um, as uh, international Re- relations manager for Sante Kotoko, is there anything that you are working on specifically with Southampton to help with development of, um, of football specifically in Ghana? Yeah, no. So one of the, 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 things that Southampton has been able to achieve is their youth football team. Um, they develop their footballers from a young age. And so those are the things that we're trying to pick for Asante Kotoko to start that. Because by the age of 18, they've already got their, they're not trying to buy um, players from different clubs. They have already built um, their youth team to be on their main team. So I think that is something that we at Asante Kotoko are going to be doing for our club. And and and, so, and with regards to just the talent that you'll be finding, is it specifically um, young people who are part of Asante Kotoko or is it just in general across the board in, in Ghana? Oh, it's across the board. Yeah, so, you know, picking out um, youth that are good from across the, um, from you know, from, from Ghana that are good and just developing them, you know, they, they basically train them every single day. They have a regime that they do with them. You know, they come to, even at the football match I was talking about, they, the kids were there watching, you know, it's just, it's just a real experience and it kind of boosts their confidence at such a young age. And, and that's the key thing that um, the Europeans and the Western people, they, they start the children young. You know, they start their children young. They teach them about things at a very young age. So by the time they're an adult, they they know everything. They're used to their mom and dad teaching them this thing. You know, I saw um, Selena Williams, you know, um, playing tennis with her daughter. I just thought that that was just so beautiful. She's teaching her at a young age. Um, and this is what we need to be doing. You know, so by the time she's she's of age, she's like, she's mega. As we round off the the conversation, um, you've just come from a really kind of like a powerful trip um, from in Memphis in America, and that was with His Royal Majesty Asante Heni. Um, you know, so yeah. what was that? Because I saw some of the pictures you posted on on Instagram. Um, and I just was like, I just thought that these images were so powerful, even just the way that the Ghanaian culture, you really, there was no holding back. It wasn't like, Oh, we're in Europe. We're going to be wearing suits. No, 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 no. Everything. The entire culture was on full display, you know? Um, and so I guess this particular trip, because you also, I think there were some artists who were there. Why was it important? And what was the idea behind the trip and also getting his Royal Majesty involved in it? How did that all come? about yeah so this was this event was actually supposed to happen like three years ago but because of covid um um, didn't happen so memphis is memphis in may is uh, basically an event that they they do every year in memphis and they pick a country to celebrate so it was you know they picked ghana to celebrate and at the time um the embassy um ambassador uh um, at the time, his team member contacted us to kind of deal with Memphis in terms of, you know, the artists um, that should be taken to, to Memphis to perform. And, you know, Stoneboy and Sarkodie were the ones that were on the bill. They did incredibly well. You know, they were on the same stage as, you know, Shaggy, Megan Stallion, um, Moneybag and the rest. And so it was a great platform to showcase our music as well. With our Santa Hine, it was amazing to say the least, because the king just does not move like that. Um, but when he moves, he moves. And, you know, we've really celebrated Ghana in a big way. Um, having a Durba on Bell Street, you know, a very famous street for music, um, was incredible for him to sit in state. Um, for for the music, the drumming, the dance, the Adwad dance, it was just incredible. Um, and so we really showcased Ghana in a big way in terms of our, our kente, in terms of the colours. It was just vibrant. We just brought 
vibrancy to Memphis, the colours mm. to Memphis. And, you know, the fact that they also showed us their businesses, you know, FedEx is one of the biggest companies in FedEx. That's their head office. You know, they showed us around there. We went to um, Elvis Presley's home, Graceland, to have a look at, you know, what the the legend was able to achieve. We went to the Civil Rights Museum, you know, and just really experienced the life of Dr. Martin Luther King. It was amazing um, put together event um, and Ghana really showed up. I love anything royal. I feel like royalty really speaks to the culture of people. And that's one of the things that I love about Ghana is that there really is such an emphasis on royalty. And that really holds you know, the country together. But also, you know, when you look at things like the crown, like I was watching the crown the one season and they spoke about how the queen, she had to basically, you know, it was a case of the queen really trying to win the Ashanti royal family over more than anything, you know? What do you think it is um, that really makes you one of the standout um, royal families and royal, you know, stories in the world, basically? Yeah, no, I think it's just um, for the Ashantis, just the Ashantis are very proud people. They they love their culture and they love who they are. And you, you, you just can't come and disrespect them. You know what I mean? You just can't come yeah. and do whatever you want to do with them. You have to show them that respect. And so that's why when um, even Prince Charles came to Ghana, he went to visit the Ashanti king. It had to be on the bill. Um, that was, you know... He, they have to pay that respect to them because one, obviously they tried to fight the, the, the Ashantis. Um, <laughs> you didn't get the golden store. They didn't get what they needed um, because, you know, they were powerful. And so I think that that's what they, they've maintained. Um, they've maintained the culture. They've maintained the respect, you know, and, and the vibrancy of, 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 of the Ashantis. And so I think that that's why they're very respected all over the world. You getting your appointment as part as an MBE, the story behind how all of that happened when you received the the information, like just talk to us through that. Yeah, in 2016, I I received um, a letter to be awarded um, the most excellent order, you know, which is an MBE. It was exciting. It was, I I never expected that because obviously I was awarded because of the work that I did between Ghana and the UK and just promoting both both countries. I would definitely wouldn't have got it without me and my team's work, the hard work that we um, that we put in through Guba and through, yeah. you know, just trying to make sure that um, Ghana was highlighted and also the fact that, you know, also promoting businesses to the UK um, via Ghana. So it, it was, yeah, it was an amazing feeling going to Buckingham Palace and, and getting that recognition was was amazing on that day actually i was with edward and info who's the editor for vogue um he was getting his obe i think at that time yeah incredible and what i love um from those particular pictures you were wearing your paint i believe christy brown made it but what i've noticed about you is that everywhere you go you wear you support ghana nobody can ever be confused there's never ever any confusion no, you can't all. get confused you can't get confused you shouldn't get confused <laughs> Totally. And, and that's what I love because you, you really just embody and celebrate everything that is awesome about Ghana. When I think oh, of people wow. like you, you really are like the embodiment of everything that Ghana is and everything that Ghana is going to become. It's really fantastic. Your story is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that, you know, we, we sit at a time where, you know, like we, we spoke about, about how important Africa is to the world. Africa is basically the world now. Um, you know how important we yep. are, and just seeing what you're doing is fantastic. And and you've now moved the Guba Awards. I believe that this year they're going to be in Rwanda. Um, so how does this Yay. come about? Because Rwanda's also got a really powerful story, and they're shifting the narrative. Why the decision for Rwanda, and how did that come about? Yeah, so Rwanda was. Um, uh, you know, we had we was having conversations with them. The ambassador was at the Guba Awards last year the one that's based in, in, in Ghana. And she, she was like, how and when can we get Guba Awards to Rwanda? And so the conversation started, went to Rwanda to meet their convention bureau. And they, I mean, the fastness and the speed that these people work is incredible. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about how clean um, uh, Rwanda is. And listen, it is cleaner than clean. I don't know. Like, there's not even a chewing gum on the floor. I just, I, 
you know, when we were there with my team, my team member, one of our head of production from Evolution, Fred was holding something and I think he left it on the on the table, like on the table. I mean, like we all were like, oh my God, let's go and pick it up. How can you leave it? Like, because you don't see that. Like you, you cannot even think of dropping litter because you will cringe yourself because you'll think, what the hell am I doing? You are so wrong. Yeah. It is beautiful. The people are on one path. They know what they want. They know that it's tourism events and conferences. And that is what they are going out for. The convention center where we're doing the awards on the 29th of September, the only date that they had is a date that they gave us. They're fully booked to January. And these are international events. They, they have, you know, they are bidding for international events. They are, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, the people are, they're just on a different level. They're just, mm-hmm. they're, yeah, they're, they're on a different level. The work ethic. I mean, you, in, you email venues five minutes later, they are emailing you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh man it yeah we're excited about rwanda we're continuing to promote the african narrative from what they've been through through the genocide 27 years ago to where they are now is incredible and so we're going there you know to celebrate africa and you know what i love about rwanda as well um you know is that because number one it's landlocked you know it's and it doesn't have the resource that other countries have. But Rwanda, like you said, they're so focused. They're staying in their lane and they know what they're doing. So in terms of mineral resources, you've got other countries yeah. that have all of these mineral resources, all of this, this should Everything. be. And Rwanda is yeah. just like, we're focused. It's tourism, events. Yeah. You know, that's they know. They just, it's tourism. They have the gorillas. They, they, they promote yeah. their gorillas. You know, and, and the safari that they have and, and their genocide museum, which, which I went yeah. to, which was very emotional. And you really get mm. to hear about their story. And, mm. and that's what they're sticking to. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's a wonderful place. I would encourage everybody to, to go to Rwanda and visit Rwanda because um, it's, it shows you a different part of Africa yeah, as well. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it's right next door to Uganda, so I probably will just hop on over <laughs> and take a visit. Yay. Two final questions. I could really speak to you forever because I just think your mind is brilliant. And, and outside of that, your passion is, is, is so infectious. The first thing is that, as we discussed, you have um, children, you've got four children, but you also have an amazing marriage. I, I asked this question, how important do you feel it is? Because a lot of you know young people and a lot of people in general are making decisions on who they marry and the reasons that they marry. What would you say about the importance of the kind of person that you marry and what has been the thing about your, your, your husband and you and your partnership that has really just been able to build and to grow on all of these awesome things and visions that God has given you? You know, for me, my, my story, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit different, but I, I met my husband at a very young age. And so, uh, I mean, I was 18 or something at the time. And, and that's how we've been friends. I think it's important that you find somebody who is your friend. I can talk to my husband about anything. <laughs> I can talk to him about, you know, some, hey, some guy gave me his number. Like I can, I can, that's how we are. We're able to, to talk to each other about everything. Mm. And you need to be able to have somebody that you can talk to because in the space that I'm in, there's so many things that happen. And so if you can't have somebody that you can go home to and talk to that would listen to you, that will respond and support you, I think that that's, that's a disadvantage, right? And so I've been able to find uh, my perfect match for me mm. um, and somebody that every, everything that I've spoken about was birthed from him. Mm. But it's like he births it, he gives it to me, I run with it. Mm. And that's how we've been. We've been a tag team. He's always in the background. You won't see him um, <laughs> because he's not somebody that, you know, likes to be in the limelight, but he's he's there. Mm. <laughs> he's 125% there. And, you know, um, I wouldn't be who I am without him. And finally, with regards to Africa, if somebody were to ask, what is Africa's best kept secret? I think it's the people. Mm. I've had a lot of people that have come to Ghana and they're like, the people, like everybody wants to help, right? Um, And I was saying that in Ghana, you hardly get somebody saying no. Yeah. Because generally they do want to help. Even if the, I was saying on another interview, 
that my car got spoiled. I took it to the mechanic. He's like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. Madame, oh, madame, I can help. I can do it. And he truly wants to help, but he's not helping because <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing with that particular car. But his heart in this is, is in the right place, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's the people. We are very welcoming. Mm. Our hospitality, you know, we try to help as much as possible. Like in the UK, if your car breaks down, nobody's coming to you to help you mm. but in Ghana you get somebody stop you know they'll 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 try and fix it they'll try and help you mm. if you're stranded you know in the UK in the train you, nobody's making eye contact you're looking at your phone or reading your book mm. so the people what we have as as an asset for Africa is the people mm. and so if we're able to utilize the people in the right way you know Africa will be beyond what we are now mm. and and believing in the people Lady Denta, that's where I'm going to bring the interview to an end. Honestly, thank you very much for this conversation. I've personally learned a lot. You've made me feel that it's possible, that the ideas that you have, the dreams, everything, everything yes, is valid. Yeah. It is possible. And I know that you've got big plans and big dreams um, where um, Guba is um, concerned. Um, I really think that Guba is going to be one of those global companies that is going to stand mm -hmm, for generations. Mm -hmm for generations because what Amen. I love about I realize what Thank it is that you. I love about you is that your main thing is service to others and I don't even think that you realize it so I've never seen a situation where you're like it's about Denta everything is service to others and the Guba Awards they service they service mm -hmm. other people they platform other people you know you as a pediatric nurse it's service to others um just everything that you that you do um as yeah. a family is really about platforming and creating a platforming and, and, and servicing other people even in interviews you're never about like well this is who i am you always are like you know kind of presenting yourself but carrying a lot of people on your shoulders and i think that that's fantastic that's the one thing that i really have learned so much from you i hope that you have a fantastic year and i just you know that i just pray god's richest blessings for you and your family just moving forward exciting times thank you so much thank you so much yes i appreciate that. that's all that we have time for on this episode of the africa whisperer thank you so much for your time and for listening i hope that you do share this with all your networks and i hope that more than anything that you leave inspired and realizing what is truly possible when you put your heart and mind to it please be sure to go to www.theafricawhisperer.com also, it's Lee Kasumba on all social media platforms. We look forward to the next episode. Thank you so much. Don't forget to rate and review and to share this link with all your friends.